0: Everything you have will end up in one of these four places. You'll either use it in your lifetime, give it to someone you care about, give it to charity, or the government will take it. What do you do when you want to focus on maximizing the charitable bucket and you're trying to decide between using a donor advised fund or creating a private foundation? That is what we cover on this episode of Music to My Heirs. Music to my ears, the podcast that discusses generational wealth and wealth in general. Welcome your host, Stephen Lewis. So today I'm sitting down with my friend Ryan Demeria from Foundation Source for a topic that I know you've discussed with our others along the way, and I thought it'd be perfect for us to share this with our listeners, which is a little bit about donor advised funds, and foundations, and how to think of the two of them. Before we go into that,
1: tell us a little bit about you and Foundation Source so we get a sense of your background. Well, first, Steve, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, to give you a little bit of background about Foundation Source, we are the nation's leading comprehensive uh, foundation service provider. Really, what that means is from start to finish, foundation creation and ongoing support, we handle all of the back office administration so that our clients can focus on their philanthropy. What I love about that is I always think every great business is solving a problem, and that's a
0: problem I've heard over and over again is, I want a family foundation, but I don't want to have to worry about how do you deal with the things that you need to do to do it correctly, and that's where you guys come in.
1: That's exactly right. So the idea is we handle all of that compliance and back office administration that people normally look at as a drawback to a private foundation um, and sort of eliminate that so again that they can really get creative and make their philanthropy go further.
0: So when I thought about the subject, donor advised fund versus foundation, it sounded like a prize battle, you know, a fight (laughs) coming up. And should people assume that you're on the side of foundation, that's the right answer?
1: So I think the right answer is that it's going to be the best fit for the individual or the family that's looking into this. So we try to sort of frame the topic as, like you said, rather than versus, which makes it sound like a big prize fight. It's really private foundations and donor advised funds and which one is going to be the right fit for you. And I tell you, from our perspective, we found that more and more
0: people that when they do foundations are doing donor advised funds along with them. In order to help the audience, let's define them. Because I know for a number of, of listeners, they've said, I hear donor-advised fund, and a lot of times you'll see people just use the initials DAF, and they'll refer to a DAF, a donor-advised fund. So I'm going to define a donor-advised fund. I'll let you define a private foundation. So a donor-advised fund is a giving account that's offered by and housed inside of a public charity. It may be connected to a community foundation, a financial institution, or a university, but it is an account within an existing public charity now how's that different than a private
1: foundation so a private foundation is its own distinct legal entity it's a tax-exempt organization and it's governed by its own bylaws articles of incorporation and board of directors
0: okay and so this is how i've explained those two to clients in the past think of a donor advised fund like an account like your checking account at a charitable bank you have an account at the charitable bank Think of the foundation as the charitable bank. You actually own your own branch of the charitable bank, which is why we talk a little bit about if you're going to own the bank, you've got some administration work to do. If you have an account at
1: the bank, not a lot of administration work to do, but pros and cons on both sides. I definitely think that's a fair way to uh, define and look at the two uh, types of vehicles we're talking about. So let's let's talk about the benefits of one and the benefits
0: of the other and some of the key attributions. Maybe first off, let's talk about just cost. Generally speaking, donor advised funds have fairly low costs. Again, your account is at their charitable bank. Um, you're paying an administration fee for that account to be there. But beyond that, pretty much done with most of your expenses. How about a foundation?
1: So... Now, a foundation is, if we're being honest, going to be slightly more expensive than a donor advised fund. Uh, But you have to think about the additional benefits that you're getting with it, which is going back to that sort of fit discussion that we had. So with a private foundation, um, what we've worked to do at Foundation Source is sort of streamline the entire process so that it limits those fees. So again, it might be a little more expensive, but not prohibitively so. Um, And the way that we've done that is really consolidating all of the resources that you need to run a private foundation. So uh, historically, if you were going to set up a private foundation, you would need an attorney, a CPA, and then there'd also be some sort of ongoing support to run this thing. Um, what we've done is basically brought all of that in house, so you just come to Foundation Source. We can set the foundation up. We manage, uh, you know, again all the back office administration, tax returns, and so on, um, and it's all in one streamlined location, which helps limit those costs that you know people used to look at as sort of a drawback to a private foundation.
0: Just out of curiosity, do a lot of your clients still maintain their CPA and their trust and estate advisor through this process, or do they give that and turn that over to you guys?
1: It's really going to be up to the client. So we at Foundation Source are very sensitive to long-term and ongoing uh, relationships that our clients have with trusted advisors, um, and so we're flexible. So we'll have situations where folks will. Uh, perhaps work the setup of the foundation through their attorney and then on board with Foundation Source. Or they'll work with their CPA um, to do the tax return while we manage the ongoing administrative support. I mean, on our end, we're flexible in that sense because it's really just um, respecting the relationships that folks have built over the years with trusted advisors. So you can work any way you need to with it. Exactly.
0: For a number of uh, clients, they're looking up and saying, I'm doing this partially for a tax deduction and I'm doing it mostly for the good of what I know I can do with this and some other benefits. Let's just talk about the tax deduction side of it. Okay. Um, And I want to start by defining uh, a term that's used over and over again, uh, an acronym of AGI, which is adjusted gross income. And as listeners, I want you to remember adjusted gross income is when you think about in a particular year, once you've adjusted all of your deductions and things of that nature, you've got an income amount. This is something you could talk to your CPA about is, hey, by the way, what was my adjusted gross income for last year? Or what will my adjusted gross income be for next year, uh, which could include potentially the sell of a business or some other, some big transaction. It's important that you understand there's a number there called adjusted gross income because the deductions that are made or received by making contributions vary some. So I'll start off on the donor advised fund. If you contribute cash to a donor advised fund, you can deduct up to 60% of whatever your adjusted gross income was for the year you made that gift. So think about that. If your uh, adjusted gross income was $500,000, you're able to deduct $300,000 in that year with a cash gift. If it is a marketable security, a stock, an appreciated stock, that becomes a 30% adjusted gross income. And then there's some adjustments there for private securities. And, and I'll preface this with saying we're not trying to give you the tax advice here. We're just sharing the data of what the rules are. This is something you always want to have a discussion with your tax advisor on where you would fall in there.
1: But how does that differ from a foundation? So a private foundation does differ. Uh, I will break it down similarly to the way that you just did. So if we're talking about cash donations to a private foundation, you can deduct 30% of your AGI, um, as opposed to the 60 that you just discussed with uh, Donor Advised Fund. For marketable securities, it's 20%, which is opposed to 30% that you can do with a donor advised fund. Um, And then lastly, with the private securities, it's a a little bit different as well, but it's a cost basis at 20% of the AGI. Um, One thing, again, that we like to sort of talk about when we have this discussion with clients is the idea that although uh, with a donor advised fund, the numbers may look larger at first, uh, so people kind of get drawn to that just because, hey, that 60% looks really attractive, If you are interested in a private foundation, you can actually stack these. And so what I mean by that is that you could donate 30% and sort of max out your deduction with a private foundation, and then you can still do an additional 30 to a donor advised fund. And so 30 and 30, you still get your 60% deduction. So um, it's a nice way for folks that may be drawn towards a private foundation in terms of uh, the types of activities they can conduct with it, but also are interested in maxing out that, uh, you know, uh, deduction. And, and to be clear, if you aren't able to take that
0: deduction in the year because of the adjusted gross income, there is a carry forward of that deduction. It's not necessarily that you're going to lose it if you don't get it. It may take you more years to capture that deduction.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: And it's the carry forward is five years. Right. And, and look, so in many cases, we're talking to people that are selling businesses and they're looking up at very large adjusted gross incomes, sometimes these percentages make no difference because the gift in comparison to the amount that they're getting is somewhat small. Um, But for some people that are wanting to do this uh, the year after they sold a business, these things do tend to to matter and you think about it a little bit. Let's talk about control. Remember that when you are using a donor-advised fund, The term advise means that you're going to advise that organization on where you would like the gift to go. In many cases, that organization is gonna say, terrific, let us do a little bit of research to make sure that that organization is in compliance, no issues there, and if they are, we're gonna make that gift go. But by giving them the money and getting that deduction immediately, you've given up the right to insist that it go to somebody And even though many of our relationships in the donor advised fund world are very accommodating, there are some donor advised funds that are tied to either a community foundation or maybe a university or potentially a certain religious belief that will restrict some gifts from going to some organizations that maybe just don't line up. So let's take that to the foundation side. Where do you see a restriction
1: on the foundation side? Realistically, the difference is that, and I actually like what you had, uh, the way you described things earlier with the charitable bank uh, explanation that you had had used, because essentially the foundation funds are obviously governed by certain IRS rules in terms of where you can distribute the money, but at the end of the day, the decisions on where those funds are going and how they're invested is wholly decided by the board of directors of that foundation, um, or trustees if it was, uh, you know, a trust rather than a corporation. Um, so really, it allows for more flexibility because you can uh, you know, be creative with your investments. So for example, a growing trend we see are program-related investments or uh, sort of charitable loans to organizations. You as the board of directors are ultimately the decision makers on how you're investing those money and uh, those funds and where it's going. I know that one of the other areas that I hear a lot from clients is I want to
0: be able to compensate people uh, maybe a child or somebody for being on the board, any other areas that very specific to foundations you've seen a big demand that?
1: Yeah, one thing that we see a lot is grants to individuals. So there are a number of different ways that through a private foundation, you can actually guide funds directly to a specific person. A really common one is scholarships, Um, another one that we see a lot, and it's something that we actually kind of crafted in terms of um, the paperwork and whatnot with the IRS, is you can give funds to individuals in certain circumstances of hardship or emergencies, natural disasters, so on and so forth. Uh, And then one unique thing that we actually see a lot, um, and I've actually personally worked with clients that have these programs, are awards programs. Uh, So sort of a, a general example would be you set up some sort of uh, application process for folks that are submitting an innovation that they've created, and then you, as the foundation, award the winner or the five winners with a certain amount of money as their prize for you know coming up with the best innovation. Sort of a general answer, but um, that's definitely something that we've seen growing lately. Well,
0: and I should mention on my my friends on my donor advised fund side are going to say, Steve, don't forget to mention that. We've got some creative ways to help an individual. There are some methods to do this. So you have to talk to the donor advised fund. Um, I think from the foundation side, you can have a more structured program over time that does these things in a way that you probably can't on the donor advised fund side. But um, I know that at least one or two of them are going to be saying, make sure you mention that we've come up (laughs) with some solutions. But let's talk about the annual grants. I think this is an area where donor advised fund may be somewhat beneficial and from the standpoint that you can put money in the donor advice fund and you don't have a requirement to make grants, not in a particular year. Now, I know some donor advice funds do have restrictions, but many of them say, you're not required right now to give out the grants. We do have a
1: grant requirement on the foundation side. We do. So on an annual basis, private foundations are required uh, to distribute 5% of the average assets from the previous year. Uh, Now, one thing to note there is it's actually not just granting. So it's charitable distributions in general. So we kind of just briefly touched on the idea that you can have um, compensation and other expenses with private foundations. As long as they're charitable in nature, those also count towards the 5%. So just to throw it out there, uh, foundation source fees, for example, the administrative fees for running your foundation actually count towards your 5%. Um, So there is a requirement, but just kind of wanted to uh, mention the fact that it's not strictly granting. It's really just charitable expenses that are leaving the foundation.
0: And I think this is another place where we've seen just a real benefit to having both. Um, We've had clients that say, what do I do if I get toward the end of the year and I've only sent out 3% and I am in a hurry and I need to send out another 2%. And I say, you should have a donor advised fund. You can send from your foundation to your donor advised fund to make sure you meet your timing requirements. And then you can figure out over time what you're going to do with that out of the donor advised fund.
1: Yeah. And one thing to uh, mention with that too is it's actually advantageous to have both for that reason. Uh, But one of the common ways that we see it uh, rear its head a lot is when folks have their foundation grow significantly in a given year. Uh, which means that that next year, they have a very increased amount that they have to distribute. So they're going from giving a certain amount of granting to then the next year, it's increased significantly. And they haven't really had the time to be thoughtful about how they want that change to look. Um, And so a donor advised fund can be a great way for them to park that money, allow them to be thoughtful about how they want to distribute it without feeling like they have a gun to their head to get, you know, 5% out of the foundation. Well, and then maybe this is
0: a good point you and I were talking about, that one of the other benefits of having a foundation is if you look up one day and y- you decide it's not time to have a foundation anymore, maybe that your desires have changed or whatever that is, you have the ability to say, I'm going to distribute the foundation to the donor advice fund we set up and move that direction if you wanted to.
1: That's right. and it's When we have this conversation with our clients, it's something that we try to be really thoughtful about because you absolutely can do that. Like we've talked about, a donor-advised fund is essentially a public charity, so the foundation can absolutely distribute assets to it, even including all of its assets, and then ultimately dissolve. Where we try to be thoughtful about that is that you can't go the other way. So once you've put the money into the donor-advised fund, there's sort of no turning back. Um, which is why if you're even flirting with the idea of a private foundation, um, but you're not sure, it it really does make sense to at least give it a shot because if it ends up not being for you or, like you just said, Steve, your um, desires uh, change over time, you can always just move that money to a donor-advised fund. So let's talk about anonymity.
0: One of the benefits of a donor-advised fund is that you've got the ability to give anonymously uh, with, with no real knowledge of who did it that becomes interesting to some clients. The The criticism I get sometimes on foundations is the last thing a private foundation feels like is private. <laughs> um, and partially that's because people have had to put their home address or they've used their home address in creating the foundation.
1: How do you deal with anonymity? So, specifically with Foundation source uh, there's a couple different layers that we try to add in to give people that privacy that they're looking for so the first is that for the vast majority of our clients we actually serve as the address of record um, especially that's especially important to people with um, who are getting bombarded with grant requests and just paperwork from their giving throughout the year we manage all of that we are your address. Um, We've also come up with a couple of creative ways where we can actually set up the foundation um, that limits people's, uh, the individuals who started the foundation sort of limits their visibility on the 990. Um, I don't want to necessarily get into the nitty gritty, but we have ways that you can sort of set up LLCs and have that LLC be the member of the foundation versus the individuals. Um, But the idea is we're really um, conscious of the fact that people do want to maintain their privacy and anonymity. Um, the other thing, too, and this is kind of a, a step removed, but when you're gifting from the foundation, we at Foundation Source can make that gift anonymous. So the ultimately, yes, you could look up the 990 and, and potentially find out where they were giving, uh, but we have a way where we remove all reference to the foundation, and it actually goes out as an anonymous grant, which is just sort of another way that we try to um, give people that extra layer of privacy. Maybe as a last
0: item here, perpetuity. Um, The idea that this thing is going to get to go on and on and on, uh, for many of our clients, uh, one of the number one goals is that this becomes a legacy vehicle for the family to have a common vision and a value system. I know with working with some of our donor advised funds, we've been very careful to ask that question. Some of them allow successor directors that can go on for num- numerous times. Some of them, you've got to be careful in some of these that they'll only go one successor and then it goes into the general fund. So you have to ask that question. It's an important question. What about on the foundation side?
1: Yeah. So this is actually one of the more common topics that we discuss with clients or you know prospects that are considering a private foundation because with a private foundation, there really is no restriction um, on that perpetuity. So Uh, the only thing you'd have to keep in mind obviously is you know the board of directors and so on and so forth but with a private foundation As long as you're distributing the amount that you need to on an annual basis and your investment advisors are hopefully beating that five percent your foundation not only will exist in perpetuity but it will potentially grow over time and then like you said that's really important for folks that are really interested in preserving their legacy because it becomes a really powerful vehicle for passing on your values and uh, sort of your philanthropic spirit to your children and hopefully their children and so on and so forth in our recent uh, version of Music to My Airs, we have a whole new appendix section spe-
0: uh, specifically looking at how do you use philanthropy, whether it's a donor-advised fund or foundation, to develop that next generation, it, it's a key element to our process. So let's wrap this up with who's the right person for a donor-advised fund and who's the right person for a foundation? Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll put this in the context of when does it start making sense that I should be looking at a foundation?
1: So at Foundation Source, and this is really just our in-house uh, sort of minimum that we have found sort of makes sense with clients, is starting the foundation with 250000 Now, with that said, if you're looking to just fund this foundation with 250000 it might not be the best fit. What we found tends to work is if folks are putting that amount in to sort of get their feet wet with the foundation but are looking to grow it over time, um, that tends to be a better fit. If we're talking about the profile of the person that's going to be interested in a foundation, it's really going to be the type of person that wants to be hands-on and creative with their giving. Um, Some folks just want to, you know, give their money to a public charity, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, it's just sort of a little more straightforward. But if you're really looking to get creative with your philanthropy, potentially do programmatic things, um, again, harking... Harkening back to the discussions we had before about grants to individuals, those types of things, that's really going to be the type of person that's going to be a better fit with a foundation because it just allows you to be a little more creative. Yeah, and I think we've leaned that same way that, you know, even if you
0: start at that small of a size, you need to have a desire to be larger. If not, a lot of times the donor advice fund is just a simpler way to process it. I think my only final comment would be is if you've got a foundation or you're growing a foundation I've yet to find a really good reason to not have a donor-advised fund on the side of it, kind of a sidecar. You know, it just gives you flexibility. So um, I think it's a, just a great way to think about how do you maximize both. If you're going to have one, try to have the other. In most cases, makes sense. Thanks for spending time and going through with this with us. Uh, I know for uh, our listeners that if you've got more questions that you'd like us to uh, ask Ryan or if you just have subjects you want us to address that we haven't yet, just email us at stephen.lewis at bernstein.com and we'll jump on it. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. This has been Music to My ears. For more information on this podcast or to ask a question, just email us at stephen.lewis at bernstein.com.